0: Hello and welcome to One Tech Nation, in partnership with Tech Nation. I'm Simon Taylor and today we're bringing you the second in our four-part series, showcasing the UK fintech scene. If you missed the first part, be sure and go to listen to episode 226 to get all up to date. We are bursting the London fintech bubble and talking about UK fintech successes across the whole country. We're putting this show together in partnership with TechNation, who just launched their rebrand last week, formerly they were Tech City UK and Tech North, to reinforce their own goals in bringing UK fintech together. To start with, we wanted to take a look at what it is about UK fintech that's so attractive. How did we get to the position we're in as arguably Europe's fintech capital, and certainly a global fintech hub? We got several different perspectives on this from both within the UK and those outside. Kicking off with Rajesh Agrawal, who, as Deputy Mayor of London, obviously has a biased London-centric point of view on this. But even with that in mind, he was hugely positive that the UK would remain the fintech capital of Europe.
1: London is a global city, and we are the fintech capital of the world Our tech industry is very growing. We are the largest tech ecosystem in Europe as well. So it's only right that we actually work with other cities around the world and build bridges and making sure we make it easier for entrepreneurs from here uh, to work with other countries, but equally entrepreneurs in other countries, if they want to come and expand in in London and in the UK, uh, they are able to do that. FinTech, if if you like, is the crown jewel of London's tech industry. Uh, It's very successful. Uh, and it's built on the natural strength of london which is finance london is a is the finance uh, capital of the world is the banking capital of the world we've got more american banks in london than there are in new york we've got more banks than any other city in the world we've got more insurance companies than uh, any other city in the world i mean i uh, come from a foreign exchange background and in foreign exchange about 3 trillion dollars are traded every day worldwide half of which are from traded in London alone every day. One and a half trillion dollars are traded in the city of London. So FinTech essentially is building on those core strengths uh, and it's really the crown jewel of London's tech industry and it's, it's got the potential to grow so much. I mean, FinTech is so much talked about already, but I believe that we are only scratching the surface. There's so much more to be achieved.
0: Eileen Burbage, who's Tech Nation chair and partner at Passion Capital, and the fintech envoy to the Treasury agrees.
2: No, so I think, first of all, with respect to the sort of uh, sector fintech itself, I think we're really still in early days. So that's part of why it's so exciting, because as much energy as there is now and as much support there is from all across the, the industry, whether it's existing financial services institutions or government ministers or policymakers or regulators... We're really just at the beginning, so that just means there's much more to come. Having said that, with the UK position, we're clearly leading from the front right now. We are the world's leading fintech hub, and I think there had been questions or doubts over the last year if we were going to be able to maintain that. And what this conference and a lot of the conversations already have shown is we've definitely maintained that leadership position, and we're probably reinforcing it for years to come. We're going to see the next wave, and it's just—it's not even been a wave. We've just had this constant volume, which I think is fantastic.
0: The idea that we're only just scratching the surface seems to be key here. The UK has achieved so much already, but the general feeling is that the best is yet to come, which is exciting. There are a lot of international players in the UK fintech scene, not to mention a lot of VC investment. Last year, over $3.4 billion was invested into UK fintech, more than double that of the year before. This is even more of a shot in the arm for UK fintech, as on the flip side, last year global investment in fintech decreased by 18%. These VC investments put the UK second only to the US in terms of global investment into financial services in 2017, and it allowed it to leapfrog China for the first time, putting the Chinese in third place. However, VC investment alone is not all it takes. Talent and entrepreneurial spirit have been key to the UK's success so far.
1: Well, I'm very clear that London is a successful city, partly because it's got amazing talent. I mean, that's the number one reason. And I speak to investors from around the world. They come to London because they will be able to find talent in London, regardless of the industry that they are in. So it's very important for London to remain open and that's why we launched the campaign London is open uh, straight after the Referendum because I think that message is very important uh, to the world and The mayor has also published in a white paper on immigration uh, making it very clear that London has benefited significantly from uh, Talent from all around the world I mean, in tech industry particularly almost 55% of London's uh, workforce in tech industry are overseas born. Uh, but apart from that, there's the entrepreneurial culture, which is uh, very important. And London is a very entrepreneurial uh, city. And uh, with regards to entrepreneurship, uh, I'm often asked that, do you think entrepreneurship can be taught uh, or not? And I say, I don't know if it can be taught or not, but it can be caught like an infection. So if you create an environment which is entrepreneurial, you know, there are people who want to go on that journey, but if they come across more entrepreneurs, if there are role models, Mm -hmm. then certainly that helps the entire ecosystem. And that's why uh, we need to to create that. So when the sort of Old Street uh, and the Shoreditch uh, area started developing, I remember one of the very popular things was uh, at the old street roundabout, uh, w- was the old street sort of drink about the mm-hmm. silicon drinkabout. Uh, it's about creating that environment, but also providing support uh, to uh, to startups by the way of funding, by the way of opportunities to network, by the way uh, of providing them uh, mentoring, uh, and all those sort of things. And those are some of the initiatives that we are doing from the mayor's office to to, to provide to young people and to young entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm.
0: How do we maintain this talent? And why is the UK so attractive to companies outside of the UK? More and more, we're seeing that European companies move to the UK to open new offices over here. What is it they're looking for when they decide to expand? We spoke to Anthony Lesuamier and Vincent Howard from SwissBorg, a blockchain-based wealth management ecosystem that started out, unsurprisingly, as their name suggests, from Switzerland, but have recently opened an office in the UK.
3: I'm Anthony Swami. I'm a co-founder and CSO at SwissBorg. So I'm Vince Howard, Uh, I've just joined SwissBorg as head of marketing. So we are on-chain wealth management ecosystem that is powered by community. And that's very, very important, powered not only by community, but by Swarm Intelligence. So we have a community uh, uh, of over 25,000 people across 140 countries in the world, so that's Really uh, huge, and we are leveraging the intelligence at different level. So it could be the decision making within the ecosystem uh, concerning technical evolution for the platform, but as well on the support side as well, that the community could get updated uh, and and stay in, in touch with the last development within the ecosystem. So that that's really how we are different. What we try to achieve with Swissborg is to build this new wave of uh, wealth management system where uh, the community, which is the greatest asset that you can have with any company is really integrated uh, within the ecosystem. So just to, to be very, uh, I would say accurate, uh, it, it's not like we are moving from Switzerland to the UK, but we are expanding our team here. So the headquarter is based in Switzerland, but we have team uh, in Japan, in Canada, now uh, we have, with Deans, uh, the team in the UK, we're most probably going to expand to uh, other um, cities as well. There is so much value that you can take from being in different places in the world. Of course, that came with uh, a lot of challenge um, because being a decentralized team, you need to work and collaborate together. But at the same time, it's it's really something that give a lot of value to, to the work that we do. When we had our ICO,
4: quite a significant amount of our community um, is also in the UK. Uh, so I think, again, it's important to have a presence here um, and to be able to reach out to the people who are supporting us and help to build the community here in London um, and also across the whole of the UK. I think the UK market is quite mature when it comes to investment and, and money management. Um, uh, I think quite a lot of people are used to traditional funds and fund management, hedge funds and that system ecosystem in itself. But at the same time, I think the British public have also been at the blunt end of some of the mismanagement that comes from some of the larger companies, uh, maybe not feeling appreciated by big banks uh, and big asset managers, so to speak. So I think there is an opportunity, especially with blockchain and decentralized organizations. uh, And I think there are people in the early stages or early adopters, at least, who find the prospect of being more in control. And being an early partaker, an early participant um, in a new system that helps to, or or may potentially disrupt, financial management in the way way that we know it in traditional models. I think that's quite attractive to people here. Um, Hence, why I think the UK is is quite ahead of the curve uh, compared to some other countries. Regulation can also help there, and you know, people like the Bank of England um, Governor Mark Carney speaking quite frequently about um, cryptocurrencies and the Bank of England potentially adopting their own model, uh, I think it helps to legitimize the practice. You know, we're not quite there uh, and regulation can change things. Uh, But again, I think uh, the government here and I think a lot of businesses are realizing that blockchain uh, and decentralized organizations are the way to go and there's a future in that technology.
3: I would say for blockchain, it's still at a very, very early stage. Switzerland is quite in advance. And when, when we look across Europe It's has been the hub for blockchain, uh, startup and the But I think the UK, from what I can see over there, um, Germany as well are two very serious contenders, I would say for, for Switzerland. And, um, this is part of our mission as well beyond Swissborg is to educate people with blockchain give the benefits of using this new technology, not only, I would say, for investors, but as well for institutional players, that they could better understand what blockchain is and how they could benefit from blockchain, and for sure, uh, London is, is, a good, is a good place to be when we talk about finance and institutional players.
0: The team at SwissBorg appreciated the forward-thinking nature of the UK, with a special acceptance of blockchain and cryptocurrency by both customers and financial services institutions, particularly with regard to regulation, which is why they chose the UK as the next place to open an office after their success in Europe. Even more unusual than this are those companies who are not based in the UK who decided to launch their products or companies here first, rather than their home market. We spoke to fran Jan Rizeu, CEO of Yolt, an app-based PFM, or smart money tool, based out of the Netherlands as a subsidiary of bank ING, but who chose to launch in the UK. We spoke to him to find out why.
5: Yeah, my name is Frankie-André I'm CEO of Jolt. YOL is a smart money platform built on the promise uh, of open banking. We started about a year ago in the UK, launching, and since then we have uh, almost 300,000 registered users. And what YOL does is that you can connect to uh, more than 35 banks in the UK to see all your money in one place, enriched with smart insights, categorization, merchants. And we've got a marketplace with uh, exciting partners to see how we can help you manage your money in in a smart way. Two and a half years ago, we decided uh, which market to go first in, and at that stage, uh, PC2, which is the law, uh, European law, who enables companies like Yields to have access to banks, uh, was uh, designed, and uh, we saw an opportunity in the, especially in the UK, where the um, Open Banking team took on the PC2 legislation and translated it into a local. Um, Policy on how banks would share the data. So we saw a very proactive group of people uh, to to implement open banking. So that was a key reason. And um, secondly, uh, yeah, you also saw that in the UK there are a lot of new exciting companies, a lot of innovation in the banking space. And we said, okay, if we really would like to um, develop something new, then let's go to a place where it's a challenging landscape. And we see a lot of companies who we potentially could work with, but also being challenged by to create a, a new proposition. And thirdly, I would say, um, when you develop something new, it's important to design it together with uh, people. And in London, you see a, l- a large group of people, and, and for us, especially the millennials, who are open to test alpha versions of apps or to join co-creation sessions. And yeah, that's really the, the, the starting point of, of building something new and exciting. So in the Netherlands, um, uh, PG 2 at that stage uh, was uh, not very, uh, there was not a lot about. It was an ID and it was totally not such a controlled way of implementing like in the UK. Um, so that's more looking to the market. Secondly, from an ING perspective, which is the investor in Yield, um, ING is a big bank here in the UK and uh, such a new money platform as we call it, uh, a bank without a balance sheet. They said, okay, if we really would like to test how such an independent company and proposition work, we should go to a market where we don't have ING presence and to see if we can develop it from scratch. So um, now ING is quite widespread in Europe, in 11 countries, and in Netherlands, and they have a, a very big footprint in the Netherlands. They said, okay, let's go to a market where we are not present, and that's, uh, that was the UK. Yeah, it was a very exciting step to go to the UK. Uh, I still remember two years ago when we were designing the product we had our first hypothesis and our first RDs. Uh, at that stage it was, um, now most of us were Dutch and uh, or some people, non-UK people so at the stage when we crossed the North Sea into London, we saw that we had some hypotheses which were too Dutch and we, we here now Netherlands we really like to save uh, a lot of money um, so it was very important to, to make that fit with the um and yeah, the mindset and how people manage their money so that was kind of a first step yeah so the uk was really our first market to, to test and validate a lot of assumptions and we announced to go to italy and france and we did also quite a lot of research in these countries but also in some other european markets mainly to understand if there are key differences in millennials on how they manage their money and what you see is that it's not a lot so what we're doing currently in the uk i'm confident that we can ship the product and also a large part of our marketing strategy to other countries of course we, we we will fit it around some local preferences and we will translate everything in the local language but i think the product is is for 90 maybe even more percent also fitted for uh, for other markets to be uh, to be exported
0: so Yolts' story is slightly niche, as they needed a market where ING wasn't prevalent into which they could launch. However, the predominant themes of the progressive and open-minded nature of the UK market to test and use new products are still key here, as is our willingness to adapt new fintech solutions and regulations such as PSD2 and open banking. Additionally, the UK market is diverse and competitive, allowing products to be thoroughly tested, to test marketing strategies and to realign hypotheses, and ultimately use the UK as a stepping stone to venture out into the rest of Europe, as Yalta currently doing. But how do we better foster this innovation and keep the new flow of talent into the UK, whilst also allowing UK companies to grow and branch out beyond the UK? The UK Treasury and their fintech envoys have a plan. It's called Fintech Bridges, which will help these companies both inside and outside of the UK scale up and increase the ease with which they can make international partnerships and expansion plans. I think (laughs) that
2: we've got enough of the elements here in the UK to foster the right kind of environment for one to start and grow a fintech business right here in the UK, and scale to the extent of an Oak North or a Monzo. What the fintech bridges enable, and I don't think they're necessarily I'm going to double use that word, a necessity uh, for a fintech to be able to grow and scale, but it certainly helps and it reduces friction. Mm -hmm. Once a fintech that's based in the UK or started in the UK starts to internationalize or wants to expand and go to another market, it's really going to reduce the friction and just help them land in a new market without having to start from scratch from a regulatory point of view. We're inviting other innovators to come in and to service the UK market.
0: However, with all this talk of attracting international talent and expanding UK companies out into Europe and beyond, there remains a big question hanging over the UK's future in fintech and in general. It's the B word. We mean, of course, Brexit. At this point in time, Brexit is still being hashed out between the UK government and EU officials, and no one yet knows how it's going to play out. With all this uncertainty, how much will it affect UK fintech going forward? Will the UK remain the jewel in the European fintech crown? Or will we lose our position?
6: And you know we're obviously going through a process at the moment as we exit the uh, EU. Um, we will have new arrangements in place, and I think all of these sort of matters are for discussion, obviously, liaison with my colleagues in the Home Office. But I'm not hearing today a you know big problem in terms of access mm-hmm. to the right talent. Um, you know we've got a lot of homegrown talent. We've also got. You know, global investors coming here to, to to seek to develop businesses in London.
0: This is Economic Secretary to the Treasury, John Glenn, MP.
6: Well, I think we see a range of options, and you know, I think at very early stages you see networks, and there are strong networks in London of, mm. of you know high net worth people, um, you know, private offices, and then you go to VCs, you go to the uh, move up the scale, and I think at the moment we've got an interesting ecosystem of options. I think that there are no systemic gaps that, that are causing difficulties. I think as we sit in London, where we've got such a developed capital market, we've got great pools of capital and we've got a great appetite to invest in a range of, of, of risk profiles. You know, this is something that the government is always looking at. And I was with the chancellor, we were talking to some investors uh, just earlier in, in a workshop. And um, You know, there are some ideas about how we can develop that and make London more attractive. But I don't foresee difficulties because at the the core of this is an industry that has a level of maturity, a coming together of the English language, Mm. the the legal sort of framework Mm -hmm. and the technical skills, as well as the financial wherewithal through the city. So that is difficult to replicate.
0: This is Rajesh Agrawal, the deputy mayor of London.
1: So whilst Brexit poses its own challenges, I've got no doubt in my head that London will continue to be the uh, fintech capital of the world. One is the skills, the sort of technical skills, where, you know the digital talent, uh, as it were. And we are doing a lot. We are investing. Uh, significantly to make sure that the young people have got talent, right kind of skills, not just for the jobs of today, but for the jobs of tomorrow.
0: They are both optimistic that Brexit will not have a big impact. We will continue to attract the right talent, the right investors, thanks to the maturity of our fintech scene. It's reassuring if our own politicians believe that fintech will continue to thrive. But what about those on the front line? The companies themselves who will be directly affected after Brexit?
7: I think despite Brexit, there are a bunch of factors that co- contribute to uh, London still being a hub in Europe. The first one is the availability of capital.
0: This is Greg Michelle, fintech
7: lead at TechNation. If you look at funding numbers and the amount of funding that is invested by UK-based VCs in companies, not only in the UK, but everywhere else in Europe, really dwarfs the rest of uh, Europe. So that's availability of capital as a very strong pull. And as we know, For an entrepreneur, capital is oxygen. So this is a a place where there is plenty of that. The availability of talent is still very much there. If you look at the maturity of the ecosystem now in uh, London, we have a lot of companies that are uh, starting to IPO to exit. I've got some funding circle coming online very soon. Um, So this means that the cycle of entrepreneurship is starting to happen, that you're going to have what you have in Silicon Valley families of entrepreneurs, if you want, that have gone from one company and to the next, etc. So the availability of talent, I think, is still uh, very much there. And then you have an element of diversity. I think London is remarkably diverse. You have a diversity of uh, ethnicity, but also of perspective, a diversity of business models. I think this is something that is really quite particular to London. And then, last but not least, it's also you know a fun city to move to. Uh, it's something that maybe it's a bit overlooked and it's a bit of a soft pull, but still, you know, if you choose between London and other capitals in, in in Europe, you know, London definitely has a pull for young people. And then, of course, if we're talking about fintech, this is still one of the, if not the, uh, financial center of uh, the world for uh, financial services, which means that you have access to a lot of talent and expertise here, which can help you uh, build your company.
0: And this is Frank Jan from Yolt, who is equally not worried by Brexit. Yeah, so when we chose the UK, we were of course not
5: um, aware and and counting on this scenario about Brexit. So it came as a surprise, uh, but um, yeah, it didn't change our strategy or our focus or our commitment to make a uh, UK success and and grow faster in this market. And I think also talking with more companies. Um, local companies, but also foreign companies who operate in, in the UK like Yolt. I think we all see that this will not uh, go away fast, although Brexit comes with a lot of uncertainty. Um, I think there's a lot of smart people, uh, a lot of ideas, a lot of capital as well to invest um, and uh, scale the ideas or even um, find new uh, or start new companies. So I'm not scared about that. I think it, it comes with still with certain certainties around banking licenses, uh, around uh, legal structures. And yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Uncertainty is something you have to deal with. But I see still a bright future
0: for, uh, for London. So if the threat of Brexit is not that much of a threat at all, according to those concerned, and despite the uncertainty, UK fintech has continued and will continue to thrive, surely the future is looking bright. In this series, we're looking to showcase UK fintech as one entity and bring the whole nation together under one fintech umbrella. With this in mind, what are our core fintech strengths and where can we excel as a whole nation? We got some thoughts on this from our interviewees. From the SwissBorg team, collaboration is key between banks and fintechs, internally and internationally.
3: I would say, because the fintech culture here, I would say it's more natural for banks to collaborate. when when we talk about blockchain and, and all this technology, because they're not very familiar with what is happening beyond their own scope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with the, all the regulation that they need to comply with, the compliance department of every bank has just doubled the size since the, 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 the last crisis. They are very reluctant to onboard new businesses. But they're very open-minded, I would say in, in the UK, because this is in the culture. That's the same in Germany because both of these countries are is a, an important hub for fintech. Mm. Uh, so definitely that compared to everywhere else in Europe. That's very different from the relation you can have with banks. For example, in France or in, in Spain, Italy, it's much more complicated to do businesses when you are a young company. But in the UK, definitely banks are willing to cooperate with, with fintech and to build together um, applications. This is an opinion shared by John Glenn.
6: Well, it'll be to look at where there are opportunities to grow fintech outside of London, which is obviously because of the proximity to the financial markets and regulator and so on, Mm. has always been the sort of centre. And um, you're right, we're going to have an envoy in Wales, Northern Ireland, one for the the rest of England, and England regions, Mm. and Scotland, of course, um, that we recognise where there are the right sort of synergies between universities mm-hmm. and skills and financial institutions, then we should, you know, get on and try, try on. and make it grow there as well. I think that banks and big institutions are changing in terms of their attitude because they can see fintech companies challenger banks and and, and fintechs coming in and, and offering you know, you know, access to uh, or you know setting up markets and uh, that will threaten them. So they, they have got to respond. So I think some of the, you know this is about disruptive technology, which is an opportunity for everyone. It's an opportunity for the consumer to get access to new services uh, in a more accessible form. And it's an opportunity for banks too to develop their client relationships with with new products. So I think I welcome this disruption. It's positive for the consumer. And you know, I think watch this space really.
0: We're excited to see what happens next for UK fintech as we move forward. What new companies will emerge? Who will move into the UK? And ultimately, what are the benefits for the customer as a result of all of this innovation? As John Glenn says, watch this space. Next episode, we dive into whether fintech communities are actually solving problems for customers. Everyone loves to say they're changing the world. How can fintech really make a difference for customers across the UK? What about the unserved sectors of society who find money management hard and sit outside of the fintech bubble? Has fintech missed a step? This episode was hosted by me, Simon Taylor, written by Laura Watkins, produced by Ollie Judge and Patrick Barisha, and edited by Michael Bailey. Thanks to Greg Michelle at TechNation and all of the TechNation team, John Glenn MP, Rajesh Agrawal, Deputy Mayor of London, Eileen Burbage, Chair at TechNation, Partner at Passion Capital, Anthony Lisouamier and Vince Howard from SwissBorg, and Frank-Jan Rizeu from YOLT. 11FS, the people who brought you this podcast, transform businesses, and frankly, get shit done. To find out what we can do for you, visit 11FS.com or email hello at 11FS.com. If we hooked you with this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast client. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube for more exclusive content. Thanks for listening and goodbye.